When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I want to talk about a new trend in housing that I absolutely love. Communities are popping up around the country that make it feel like you're living at the beach without the high cost of insurance, high cost of upkeep. And that sounds like that's impossibly too good to be true. Well, actually, it's not with an asterisk. Also, I have absolutely excellent news to share with you when it comes to teenagers and their wallets and their maturity. I'm going to talk about that. So I had an opportunity two years ago to go to a new type of design community. And what I didn't realize when I visited it, that it's part of something happening in states around the country, mostly in the south and southwest of the United States, where we're seeing the population growth. So as we know, there's a lot of problems with people getting affordable insurance, being able to afford homes at or near the coast. And so this development I saw was probably, I don't know, 12, 15 miles from the beach. It was a community with a big, not quite a water park, but a big lagoon, had some slides, had a sandy beach and all this. And I read a long form story in the real estate section of the Wall Street Journal about how this is happening in state after state after state, that developers are coming in and they're building these communities where kind of like how developers used to build communities around golf courses and they'd sell the golf course lots for more money. They're building these big lagoons. They're able to sell lots that have views of the lagoons for a lot more money than they would have been able to sell lots otherwise. In the neighborhoods, you don't have individual household pools anymore. You have these community lagoons with these big pools. And there's a technology behind how they keep the water clean and safe to use that makes these communities much cheaper to have these big lagoons and maintain them. At least that's the idea. That's kind of the 
the fast explanation of this. And there's things about this that did not occur to me when I visited this place a couple of years ago, and I loved it when I saw it, was that people are able to buy a home a lot cheaper than they would be able to closer to the beach. They have this community connection where people go to this lagoon for all different kinds of things. A lot of them even take canoes out on and kayaks and stuff like that as well is use them as a place to hang, to go swimming. A lot of them will have slides, not like a water park, but they'll have some slides. And this is really neat as a way to create a sense of community and create a a fun thing. My wife's reaction when I was so excited about this a few years ago was that it seemed so artificial to her. I don't care. (laughs) We're creating something that's a great environment for people to live in at a more affordable cost. And the angle I didn't think of, and I remember I was, I was doing this for TV when I went before, and I was interviewing the developer of the community, and he said, you know, one of the big factors, and I didn't really register it till this last week, is how little homeowner's insurance costs for people because they don't have to have flood insurance. They don't have to worry about hurricanes. And I missed that is being such a big piece of the puzzle too. If you look at one of these communities in Texas or anywhere along the Gulf Coast, you look at uh, the entire state of Florida, you look at South Carolina and North Carolina up the East Coast with the communities exposed to hurricanes. And this goes to the core of something I've said all along about, you know, all this debate. Are we having global warming, not having global warming? The reality is we're having more frequent storms. We're having larger claims and all the rest. Human beings adapt. We come up with ways to deal with the circumstances we're dealt. And this is that kind of example. People like being near water. You create the opportunity for them to be near water. Was it man-made instead of natural? Yeah, but think how many lakes we have around the country that were also man-made, that were built from dams on rivers. So I like this kind of thing. I know we're going to face a lot of challenges from weather changes. The reality is human beings and business adapts, and we will. I love Would, this. You'd like living in one I of I mean, these? it looks beautiful. I, just, I've only seen pictures. I haven't been there in person, but like the water looks gorgeous, like huge acres and acres of water. I mean, it looks, it sounds like ideal to me, but what And do I it's know? affordable. Exactly. Relatively. Except yeah. in some of these communities, if you live lagoon front, you know, that's like, uh, that's like playing Monopoly, you know, beyond Park Place. Those lots... Those are expensive. But still, the upkeep you'd have on a beachfront and the insurance, I mean, that's a total difference. Really, I'm not familiar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Calvin in North Carolina says, I'm 27 years old and recently left a company that I worked for for almost eight years to start a new job. I have about $30,000 in my old job's 401k account. What should I- Wait, wait, wait. 27, already have 30 grand in a 401k? Mm -hmm. Love this. Love it. What should I do with the account funds as I understand the penalties for early withdrawals? Is an IRA or mutual fund the right direction to go into? What are all of my choices? Thank you. 
So Calvin, your employer that you recently left will send you a document written somewhat in English, lawyerese, explaining what your options are. Your options with that much money are that you can leave the money behind in the 401k you had at that old job. And that would be usually where I'd start, especially if the 401k that you have at the old employer is managed by Vanguard or Fidelity. Vanguard, the lowest cost Fidelity, a low cost provider of 401k plans. I don't mean they have funds from those companies. I mean, your statements actually come from Vanguard or Fidelity. You could leave it there if your plan administrator is any insurance company or any bank. I want you to immediately do the paperwork you'll receive in this kit for what's known as a trustee to trustee transfer. And I want you to move the money from that 401k, either A, to your new employer's 401k, if it is, if you have one and you're eligible for it, and it is administered by Vanguard or Fidelity, you move it there. Or B, if it's not, you move it to your own IRA with Vanguard or Fidelity. In that Vanguard or Fidelity IRA, what I'd like you to do, you asked IRA or mutual fund. You do inside an IRA is where you own funds. And you move it over to the IRA. And then the easiest answer, you're 27. You put it in a target retirement fund for about year 2065. Target retirement funds have extremely low costs and they handle all in one fund with your 30000 They'll allocate based on how far you are from retirement in a variety of stock fund kind of choices along with other things. And then as you age, it changes. And then later, if you end up at an employer with a good plan, a good meaning that it's handled by Vanguard or Fidelity, you could then move it to that plan at your new employer. So it becomes portable. That. Yeah. I didn't realize that. As long as you don't co-mingle those IRA funds with any other IRA funds, it stays portable and it can go back into a new employer's plan. Hmm. Okay. Ken in Oregon says, my wife's 74, her daughter 50, and granddaughter 11 are all going to Europe for three weeks. My concern is if there's... I a love m- this. Three generations traveling to Europe so together. Awesome. That 11-year-old granddaughter... You're so lucky to get to go to Europe so young. My concern is if there's a medical emergency, is there an insurance plan they should buy to cover it? Yeah, Ken, you can buy insurance that does a number of different things. You can buy insurance that is for just medical overseas. But what people most often want, not as important with Europe, is a medevac that pays if let's say they were somewhere and one of them got injured or ill and you wanted them transported within the terms of the policy, maybe to a different place. And depending on the circumstance, even back to the United States in a medical uh, air transport, there are policies you can buy for that. So it's anywhere from one that just provides medical to one that provides extreme medical transport and everywhere in between. So your wife, if she's on Medicare, 
may not have coverage for being outside the United States. And so there are these policies you can buy. Go to Insure My Trip to kind of get a feel of this or other sites like that that are aggregators that show different types of policies from many different kinds of companies. And you can see what might be available to her. Your daughter, granddaughter may have health insurance that covers outside the United States. And then if they are covered, then the only question becomes one of these medevac kind of things, which is normally something people would do if they're on an adventure trip somewhere not in the developed world. That's when most often people focus so heavily on having one of these medevacs. And we do have an article about trip insurance at Clark.com. This one's from Wayne in Alabama. You've preached against going paperless, but one of our credit card providers has just started charging us $1.99 for paper statements. What are your thoughts on this? I think it stinks to high heaven. And if this is the one we've received from other listeners and viewers from Citibank, classless, trashy action on Citibank's part. And if it's another bank that decided that imitation was the best form of flattery to copy Citibank, this stinks. And what we were told by Citibank, this was an experiment to see if it cost them customers or if they just save money by doing this. And this is just a terrible decision. I have no problem with Citibank or any other institution for new customers saying, this is our deal doing business with you, like you know some of the cable monsters do, where they say, well, you sign up with us, you're going to have to do this, this, and this, or you'll have to pay more. If they do that when you start as a customer, fine. It's despicable for Citibank or any other bank to do this in the midst of an existing relationship with a customer and rip you off for $24 a year. So in this case, if you want to keep your card with, if it's Citibank or whoever, we don't know the the bank, I would go ahead and switch to paperless, and then burn up some paper in your printer, printing out the statements. And I just think this is lowbrow, low class, not the right way to treat a customer. It breaks trust. You don't change the rules in the middle of a game. But, you know, big companies do stuff like this and just think they can cram stuff down our throats, and it's not cool. And then the alternative is if you're wishy-washy about the card you have, you use this as a signal that you're done with them and you're going to dump it. By the way, I wouldn't be surprised if you call up and they put you with one of those customer retention specialists and you're really serious, you're going to dump them, that they don't turn around and say, okay, well, we'd love to keep you, so we'll waive that fee for you. But why not just do it the right way in the first place and any new customer say that's the deal, but leave your existing loyal customers alone? Just my opinion. So I got something I'm really jazzed about, really excited about involving teenagers. I can't wait to share it with you straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talk about an if then. I was having a conversation with a teenager just two days ago who is working a part-time job while she's in college and she's making $18 an hour. And I'm like, that's pretty amazing. 18 an hour as a teen. Now it's not at all unusual for a teenager to be able to get a job that pays 15 an hour and north. This is real opportunity. And it's funny how people pick up economic signals. We have been through a long cycle, really a generational cycle, where a lot of teens came all the way up through high school never having a paying job, which was mind-blowing for me because I grew up in an era where you worked. And I grew up in a state before there was enforcement of child labor laws. I started working at a business at 11 years old. Not the best idea. I wasn't in the safest of environments. But it was just what we did. We worked. The pay for so long was not that great, but we worked. It's not like we were great and people who grew up in the last generation, you know, the last 20 years who didn't work while they were in school, it just wasn't thought about. There was so much talk about, you know, doing 
uh, year-long sports and traveling teams and when would you ever do that and you got the school activities all that but i think work not too much but working has a lot of value i've really come down to the side that 15 hours a week during the school year is the max any teen should be working and then the summer during holidays you can work but now the participation of teens in the workforce according to the US Department of Labor that put out a report in the last couple of weeks is way up isn't it funny how pay can be a signal and suddenly people are like that working that sounds like a good idea but the experience you get and the way you learn cuz when you come into a job as a teen you're low person on the totem pole usually and you get to learn the right way to treat people because you get some experience with people who don't treat you right, right? So I think these jobs are really worthwhile, really valuable. And the other thing is jobs are plentiful enough that if you're a teen listening to me and you're being treated like dirt where you work, go see what else is out there. Don't quit till you find something else, but go out there and see what is available because I think what you learn will help you so much. You know, I benefited, I mean, leaps and bounds in my 20s because I worked so much as a teenager. And for economic reasons, I worked full-time in college and was a nighttime student for most of college. That really gave me the leg up that did so much for me launching into a career, you know, at age 21. That made a lifelong difference for me giving me that early launching pad. So my rule in my household, I'm not a dictatorial father, but, but all three of my kids knew, and it was a requirement in my household, they had to have a real job by the time they were 15. And all three of them waited till they were 15 for a real <laughs> job, but they all had one working in a variety of different capacities, but they worked and I think the value of that and what you learn is so great. Now, the other half of this I alluded to recently is what do kids then do with that money? They're only taught in society how to spend money. And so I'm thrilled by this trend where more and more school districts, as a requirement of graduation, require one or two semesters of a personal finance program, personal finance course. I think that is something we really need. But there's also a role for you and me as parents. We got to talk to our kids about money as well. A lot of times we're afraid to talk about it because maybe we feel like we haven't done it exactly right. But share with your kids. They want to learn. They want to understand. And it's better they learn from you about the whole concept of saving and planning and all that rather than getting into a spending hole and a habit of spending and then trying to figure that out. And Christy, I got to brag on your daughter, Claire, <laughs> because Claire has the most incredible work ethic. She'll come home from college and spend an entire break working two or three jobs. Yeah. She loves to work. She always has. She works while she's in school I don't know how she does everything she's doing, but she's always been very self-motivated in that way. I always worked a lot too. I mean, I started babysitting when I was 11, which I can't believe these people let me 
be in charge of their kids at 11. And I always had lots of part-time jobs. And even when I got a job out of college, I still would work on the weekends, like doing random things. Like I remember I filled in as a barista at a coffee shop because a friend's friend needed someone to fill in. And I would, I babysat then too. I joined a babysitting group and they'd send me places. And don't you want to tell us about folding khakis at the gap? I worked so many retail jobs in high school and college. And so it what did, was it used to have to say to people when oh, they walked like we've in got the pleated flat front. Yes. The whole thing. And, but you learn a lot working. And when I first got out of college, I wasn't sure what I was doing. And I joined a temp agency and I worked at a lot of different businesses. And it sort of helps you figure out what you may or may not want to do too. working different jobs. It's very, you know, beyond making money and, and all of that. I think it can be helpful in that way. All right, let's go to some questions. This one is from Anonymous. Hey, Clark, last year I inherited a traditional IRA account, which is worth about $182,000 from my father, who passed away from multiple myeloma. I want to tell you, I'm really sorry about you losing your dad. Absolutely. I'm a 39-year-old single teacher at a specialized behavioral program for students with autism and other developmental disabilities. I listen to your podcast every day on my commute to and from work, so I know you're the man from Roth. (laughs) I definitely don't want to depend on my TRS retirement account, especially since I've heard you talk about how terrible these plans can be. My question is, should I convert the inherited traditional IRA to a Roth? Can I convert an inherited account? How would I know what type of taxes would be owed? I want to make my father proud by securing my financial future and continuing to grow his hard-earned money working many long hours and years as an internal medicine physician. What would Clark do is a question I often ask myself. Well, Anonymous, let me say this to you again. I'm really sorry about the loss of your dad. The IRA rules became very unfavorable to kids inheriting from a parent. And a tax law change took place three or four years ago and now in effect. The money you have in there is required to go through an RMD process, required minimum distributions, over a very short number of years, typically five years. That money's got to come out. You have to pay tax on basically a fifth of it every year. And then you're free to do with that money what you wish. Is that true for 401ks as well? I don't know the exact rule on 401ks. I know about the change on IRAs. Just curious. Okay. But if it's a spouse who inherits, none of these rules apply. But for a kid inheriting, could be an adult or a minor child, the rules are kind of wonky. Now, what in theory you should be able to do is contact the brokerage that has these funds on hand. They should be able each year to give you what the amount of RMD you have to do and if you are in fact covered by the five-year rule. If they say, oh, well, uh, we're not getting involved in that, which would really upset me because this is an ultra high cost, high commission firm. But if they're hands off, there's enough money at stake, you need to go to an enrolled agent or a CPA who does tax and have them give you what the schedule is going to have to be. Because if you mess this up, the IRS charges a giant penalty on the money that is not pulled out on time on schedule. Once you have the money in your hands, you can then start putting money every year because you're working 
you can put money into the Roth IRA up to the max, but it'll take a long time to get this much money net of tax into a Roth. It requires some thinking. I don't want you to have money at this ultra high cost firm moving forward. I'd want you to be at one of the low cost companies, especially since you've got a 403B, which is the worst possible option for a retirement plan at work. Can they roll the money from the high cost provider to like a Vanguard or Fidelity now? You could do that. And then over the five years, you'd have much lower costs. If you move the money into uh, Vanguard would be the lowest cost choice you could move it to. You move it to Fidelity or Schwab. If you're doing business with any of those three, move it to the one you already have a relationship with. But I don't like high cost firms. I mean, not, not they're bad people or anything. You just end up with so much less money down the road. Allison in Georgia says, I'm ready to trade in my 2012 Honda Civic and purchase a Tesla Model Y. I would like to get a used one about a year old with low miles. I found one for a good price at a non-Tesla dealership, but was told by a salesperson at a Tesla dealership that if I bought it from another dealership, all Tesla warranties would be terminated. It doesn't seem like that could be legal. As a Tesla guy, Clark, please tell me it isn't so. It's not legal. So the manufacturer's warranty that comes with the vehicle continues for the time with the Tesla, is it five years, 36,000 miles or something like that? Whatever the manufacturer's warranty is, does not void when you buy it. Now, what is true is if you buy a used Tesla from Tesla, you get the equivalent of like a certified pre-owned. You get the original warranty, plus you get an additional Tesla overlay. But the original manufacturer's warranty on this one-year-old Tesla remains in place until you hit the mileage. And so what you were told is not true. One thing I will tell you is also true. If you look at a new Model 3, you want to see what the price of it is. Net of the tax credit, if you qualify for it, some of the vehicles have lost their tax credits. But even the entry-level Model 3 should be somewhere in the upper 30s as a purchase. I don't know what this one-year-old used one is being sold at by the dealer you're looking at. Greg in Maryland says, I want to share how I accidentally saved 20% on a large medical bill in case it would help your listeners. I recently had a bill from a children's hospital for over $2,300. I typically pay online, but I couldn't get the login to work, so I called instead. After taking my info, patient name, statement number, etc., the nice rep told me the balance and asked what I wanted to do. I replied that I wanted to pay in full. Totally unsolicited, she offered a 20% discount for payment in full. I gladly accepted. The moral is to take a little extra effort to call for payments and ask about a pay in full discount and you may be surprised. If this makes it on air, could you do me a solid? Shout out to my wife, Esther, and my kids, Ellie, four years old, Thomas and Lennox, two years old. And P.S., I'm grateful for the sage advice and selfishly wish you never retire. Well, Greg, first of all, you heard Krista did the shout out, just as you asked. Your advice is spot on. If you have a little balance bill with a hospital, they're not doing the offer of the cut. But if you, the way insurance works with people having the higher deductibles, you've got a big chunk of hospital bill and you're calling billing about it, 
So they're used to people just not paying those balance bills and going through the big hassle to try to get people to pay. So they will, if you say, yeah, I'll pay the whole thing up front. You might have to ask for it, not have it just automatically offered like you do, but they will discount that bill to get the money because they don't know otherwise if they're ever going to get the money. What happened in the hospital business is that it used to be that people who did not have insurance would end up with these big bills. But the way the nature of health insurance has changed with the large deductibles so many people face, a lot of people with insurance end up with a balance bill that can be quite large. So if you're offering to pay that balance bill in full, your net cost after insurance, then yeah, they're ready to play, let's make a deal, and it could save you a substantial amount. Your 20% is a very common initial offer from a hospital. Again, it depends on the overall circumstance and overall cost. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope your week is off to a great start. And remember what we're devoted to, you learning ways to save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off.